Good morning, everybody. So good to be here. I've been uh, gone a little bit. Uh, as I said, I went, uh, took my daughter to college, and uh, it was incredibly sad and wonderful all at the same time. She's doing great, but um, I, I, I'm excited to be back with you and sharing the scriptures this morning. Um, if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 4, I believe it is. Matthew chapter 4. And if you need message notes, the ushers have them. So just lift your hand and they will uh, get you a, a note or a pen to write with. I think message notes are a big deal because I think the goal of church is that God will speak to you. And I hope he does that through me, but my experience is that he will often just talk to you about what's going on with you while I'm speaking, which it's a deal. We work it out. It's fine. So, um, so uh, let's begin with prayer, and then let's, let's dive in together. Father, we just welcome your, your revelation and your light into our lives. As we open up the scriptures, Father, would you equip us? Would you encourage us? Would you convict us, and then would you give us grace to obey? We thank you that your word, even its entrance, gives light so that we can move forward in you. We receive that now. We're ready to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week we started a brand new series called Just One. And Just One was based on the idea, really the question is, what might happen if you and I, if all of us together were willing to, to be part of what God was doing in another person's life so that we could help draw them to him. In other words, could you bring one person to Jesus this next year? Would you be instrumental in partnering with God and collaborating with him to pray for a person and to think about how you might reach that person with the message, the good news the wonderful, life-giving message of Jesus, what could happen if we all said, yeah, I'll do that? I'm not asking you to raise up 12 disciples like Jesus. I'm just asking you to pray for one person and to think about who that might be over this next year. And so uh, that's, what this, that's what this series is about. And there's, some, there's a bunch of statistics floating out around uh, for the last several years that seem to indicate that the vast majority of Christians have never actually shared their faith. And it feels a little intense. I can even feel it in the room. Even as I say it, it's like, whoa, what are you going to ask me to do, pastor? All right, here, here's the thing. It, we, we do feel a little bit uncomfortable when we're kind of talking about this, but we have these ideas kind of of what God wants us to be when that pressure starts to come, and I, I think sometimes they're not accurate. Um, we picture something in our minds when we say, okay, can you, can you draw somebody to Jesus? Can you win somebody to Christ? You know, that's kind of an old phrase. And you might be thinking to yourself, I... I like this idea, but I'm not sure I'm really the kind of person that can do this. Maybe it would be better for Jesus if I would just keep to myself. <laughs> because if I get involved in an argument, I'm going to lose. Right? Some of you are thinking this way. When we talk about evangelism, or we talk, in a, uh, talk about becoming even an evangelist of some kind, right? Um, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when I say the word evangelism? Is it a guy with really big hair and a white suit and white shoes? 
loud, boisterous? Is it Billy Graham? Billy Graham. Oh, that we all could be Billy Graham. Sadly, you're not Billy Graham. But you are called to carry the life-giving message of Jesus into this world. We We all are. And so I don't know if you've ever heard about this type of person, but there's something called the evangelism linebacker. You ever heard of the evangelism linebacker? Check him out. We'll just watch this. Check him out. Why did I want to be the evangelism linebacker? Well, let me put it to you like this. Yeah, baby! Next time I'm going to hit you so hard, you're going to go on the flight. NASA's going to think I didn't launch a satellite. You see, as a fish was created to swim in water, as a bird was created to fly, I was created to knock people out who don't evangelize. All right, it's all you. This house has got your name on it. I'm not ready yet. What makes you think I'm ready, though? It doesn't matter who rejects us because we're always accepted by Christ. God loves you. Get off the floor and go door to door. Can we talk to you for a minute? I'm a lover, not a fighter, baby. Sometimes I'll blow you up, but it's because I love you. Yeah, but just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I need to be out sharing my faith. I mean, ah, don't you run from me! Hey, I can't go to the outreach today. I got, I just got some more important things I got to do. Uh-huh. Hey, man, give me a break. I went to church on Sunday. I got to go. Selfishness? The world needs a message. For God to love the world, he wants to communicate it through you. If you procrastinate, you will open up the gate to a beatdown. Give me that phone, boy. When I see selfishness, it is my job to blow them up. That's what I do. I blow them up so that they can get their eyes off of self and look at Christ, the prize. What's up, baby girl? Nah, I'm busy. You see, I think it's fitting because when people have pride, that they're too prideful to share their faith, what I do is I knocks the pride out of them. What I would like to communicate to my brothers and sisters is this. When you least expect Around the corner, perhaps even under your bed, I can be in a phone wire. I can be everywhere and just know that I'm always watching. Ready to lay the boom on you, baby. Booyah! (laughs) I am not going to be the evangelism linebacker for you. I'm not built that way. You didn't have to laugh. But the, the thing that I don't want you to believe here is that We're going to have three weeks of guilt-inducing messages so that you'll do something, right? Like, that doesn't work. If you're motivated by guilt to share your faith, it will will go nowhere. And it's certainly not a spiritual notch kind of in your your belt where you you kind of get to count how many people you've brought to Jesus. That's not what this is. But there is a need And there is a challenge for us, and we have to ask ourselves the question, is this part of our life? Is this part of who God wants us to be? How do we engage in this kind of dialogue? How do we we work through it? Because the person who brought you to Jesus probably wasn't anything like that. Probably a more gentle, respectful, and kind person, right? And so 
And so we got to ask ourselves the question, what are we doing here? Like, what do, one chapel, what are we doing? You know, in, in the next few months, we're going to do, in September, a relationship series where we're going to talk about how we relate to each other and how we encourage one another and how we deal with conflict. That's September. In October, we'll have a, a legacy series, which is really about us making a difference over a long period of time in our community and in our region. In uh, November, we'll have feature presentation, which is a, a, a really ha taking a look at our cultural stories, which are movies, and seeing the biblical principles in them. I want you to see that then leading up to Christmas, there's a, the story of Jesus, which um, is, is so uh, prevalent even in our society still, even the way it is. And so I want you to realize that what One Chapel is doing is we're not just kind of showing up every Sunday and then kind of trying to come up with some idea to, uh, you know, make our lives better. You're not just going to work, getting up the next morning, trying to follow Jesus kind of randomly, right? There's a purpose and there should be a plan and there should be a, a, a way in which we move forward in our spiritual lives and a way in which we move forward in our city, in our region, sharing the life and the love of God with people. It has to be strategic. We have to talk about it. We have to think about it. And so these, these three weeks that we're doing this, last week, Pastor Brent did a phenomenal job. Those of you who are here heard Pastor Brent, and he spoke a little bit on Luke 15 and on the prodigal son. It was amazing. If you want to check that out, it's at onechapel.com, and you can check out the podcast. But there's no doubt that praying for someone to come to Jesus and then watching them respond to him, it, it is an experience every Christian should have. And so we want to talk about that this week and kind of how that works. And then next week, we'll share a little bit even more practical. So last week was theological. This week's going to be practical. And next week will be practical about sharing your faith. And I want to ask you to lean in. I want to ask you to be a part of this because we're going somewhere. We're moving forward to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. Matthew 4 is where we'll start. This is Jesus, and he's talking to his disciples. Here it is. We'll begin in Matthew 4.18. He says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. This is Jesus calling a couple of brothers to follow him and be his disciples. In verse 19, he said to them, follow me and I will make you, stop right there, just pause right there. Follow me and I will make you, make you what? Make you holy, make you more disciplined, make you a better husband, a better spouse, make you, make you a better uh, uh, speaker so that you can tell people about Jesus. No, he said, I'm gonna make you into something that I think resonated with those fishermen working with those nets right there. He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it so that you can know how to draw people to the kingdom that I'm ushering in to the planet. And notice, notice he didn't say that he, they, they should follow him and then they'll learn a bunch of stuff. Jesus kind of indicated he would make them into something. Right here at the beginning, 
I don't want you to think that I'm going to make you into something. I'm not the evangelism linebacker. I'm not going to tackle you into this thing. This is something that only Jesus can do. And if you'll open your heart to Jesus, I think he will begin to do what only he can do in your life. The answer is really surprising because as he talks to these, these fishermen, he, what he's saying to them is that just like you catch fish, I'm going to help you catch people. Now, I don't know if you've ever been fishing before. I had my first, first fishing expedition in the mountains of Washington State. Um, I remember we'd go into the forest, and my, my grandparents uh, would, would take their camper, their little trailer, and we'd go up into the mountains. We'd, we'd find a little spot beside a creek or beside a river or, or beside a big lake somewhere. And uh, my, it was really my grandpa and grandma that taught me how to fish. And I think I was probably about eight years old, somewhere in there. And so, I, I, you know, they got, they got us some little, little fishing rods and reels. And so we'd go out there. And I, I have kind of a vivid memory of the lake. And we're casting the, the, the line out. And we're, 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 we're doing it over and over again. We got to, you know, using the messy little worms. And you got to get over that. And all that stuff's happening. I'm, I'm casting. And I'm casting. And I'm casting. And I'm getting better at it. No fish. I remember the first several times I went fishing with my grandparents. No fish. I don't know what this is. I don't know if it's me. I don't know what's wrong with me. But I learned to hate fishing. And I came to this rude, disappointing reality. That fishing is a lot different than catching fish. It was so boring. I mean, I'm an eight-year-old kid. I'm like, this is terrible. I cast and I wait. I cast and I wait. I cast and I wait only to be disappointed one more time. <laughs> this is great. Waiting and disappointment. Just what an eight-year-old loves. I hated fishing. I kind of still do to this day. It's kind of sad. All my kids, somebody else has to take them fishing if they're going to go. But here's... Here's the thing. I think for Christians, what happens to us, if you, if you haven't caught any fish in a long time, you start to hate it. For a Christian, if you haven't led anybody to Jesus for a long time, you, get, you start to get, like, intimidated by it. Like, I don't really want to do anything like that. And, and, and today, what I want to do is awaken your senses and your awareness to what Jesus is calling us to do. Because he is calling us. He's reaching out to our church and to our community. He, people, it's no mistake that thousands and thousands of people are moving here every year. You do realize that God has a purpose for that. It's not just about the economy or jobs. It's not just about kind of what's going on in Austin. Oh, it's such a cool city. No, that God's, God's got something else really planned for that. And I want to cooperate with him on that. And so, and so uh, um, we need wisdom for going fishing is the problem. And so you can't just rock the boat and expect the fish to jump in. 
right? You have to think about where you're fishing, and you have to think about uh, what kind of bait you got to use, and you got to think about the lure that you're going to use, right? A little shiny thing or something, you know, that's in the water. It's going to attract people, and you got to think about those kinds of things. You also have to think about timing, timing of the, the season of the year, the timing of the day, when are the fish jumping? These are all concepts of fishing, which I never truly learned. But I, what I really understand here, what Jesus is actually saying to these fishermen, I'm going to make you into the people that understand the timing. I'm going to make you into the kind of person that understands what the lure is actually all about. I'm going to help you see that you're going to have something that other people want. I'm going to make you into this kind of person. And so Proverbs 11.30 says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. When we read that scripture, we kind of think it means if you win souls, then you get wise. I wonder if there's some way to read this scripture that says it's a person who is wise who actually causes them to be a soul winner, a person who, who, who helps people discover who God is. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You need to think about this. Don't, don't get into fights and contention on hate book, I mean Facebook. Don't, don't get into all that. We don't, you don't need to draw, the, draw up sides. You got to make it taste good. You got to make it taste good. Put some salt on it, man. This is what we're doing. What's wrong with our current cultural conversation? I mean, there's many things wrong with it. But if you think about it, every topic has been politicized. And even you, as a Christian, there's an evangelical, homogenous voting block that people sort of... <laughs> They see us as, or they see people as, or, or you know, they, they, they kind of put you in a category politically. And this is a problem. What's going to break through that? And li listen, <laughs> listen, I've been to coffee with a whole bunch of you. I mean, I've had conversations with you. You are not a homogenous voting block. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you guys vote all kinds of ways on all kinds of different things. This is a, this is a truly diverse group of people, and you're a miracle because God put you together at one chapel. And if you could, if you could be a miracle like that, where you have all these diverse viewpoints politically, but you come together under the banner of Jesus, the world is going to notice. I believe that. And so, and so I'm not talking about having a political point of view. And I don't want you to be afraid that other people are just going to put that, that you in that category. Uh, but I think we have to be wise in the way we deal with this. And, and, and we, have to, we have to understand that God is asking us to be wise as we encounter others. So I'm going to give you three ideas. Three ideas how to be wise in, in being a fisherman. Number one, wise in my moments. I want to be wise in my moments. I want to be wise in the moments God's given me. I want to be wise in the moments that are happening all around me. Think about this. God is at work in the world. Seven billion people on the planet. 
7 billion people interacting, intersecting, and there's an intersection for us. It happens over and over again. You're probably sitting in the chair you're sitting in now because there was an intersection with somebody who brought you to this church or who engaged. You came to town and you found a song on, online and you, you found yourself here because of an intersection. This is what God is doing all over the planet. He loves doing it. It's how he builds his kingdom. So all of us need to be, if that's true, if this is how God is doing it, then we need to be wise and watching. The worst thing you and I can do is get tunnel vision about who we are in our lives. We get myopic in our view of what's happening in our lives, and we're not watching, we're not attentive, we're not aware of other people around us. We become unaware because we're so busy. We become unaware because we're so overwhelmed ourselves. And so there, there are some hard decisions that have to be made if you're going to make time for this kind of thing talk about that a little bit next week but but not every intersection you have with another person is random if you are a follower of Jesus you have to at least be suspicious I like to call it holy suspicion it's called faith you are suspicious that God might be leading you across somebody else's path Psalm 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Proverbs 16, 9 says, on their hearts, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. God's involved in your day-to-day. -day. He's with you, so we need to be attentive, watching, wise. God, is this, is, are you doing this? Is this you? Are you, are you bringing this person across my path? What does this look like practically? All right, three things. Be intentional in every relationship be intentional in every relationship what what if we allowed god to be the author of every relationship we have what if we included him on the decision of how much time or energy we're going to spend with every relationship you know because there are some relationships that require a lot of your energy and a lot of your time those in your family those that are close to you any good friends that you have but there's there are decisions every day all day about how to be intentional. And I find that we end up with a lot of friends and a lot of relationships across the surface of our lives. None of them go very deep because, because we're not being intentional about them. We just have them all over the map. And we just kind of pick one and pick, pick this one during this time and that one during that time. And, and, and I, think, I think this is one of the struggles. But we got to be intentional. Be curious about your day. You're going to go from here and you're probably going to go to lunch somewhere. What if you were just at least open to the idea that God would put you with the right server that you could share something with? Be curious about relationships. Be curious about what God is doing. This is often, I think, a challenge for pastors, strangely enough. Um, John Maxwell, who's an author and a pastor and brilliant teacher, inspirational speaker, he, he does this. He says, I carry around 10 names with me all the time. 10 names of people who are far from God that I'm praying for. One chapel, I'm only asking you to pick one. Okay, but you might need to make your, I'm making my list right now. I'm making my list of 10 people, and I'm going to choose one that I'm going to pray for specifically, and I'm going, to, I'm going to ask God to help me draw them to him. And so I think, I think we all have to think like this. Find, you have to not only be intentional, but you have to find their spiritual soft spot. 
everybody has an area, some kind of interest, some kind of thing that's in their life that they really believe in, that they're really attached to, that's really deeply meaningful and they care about it. I'm not talking about manipulating people. I'm not, I'm, I'm ta- not talking about uh, using some kind of, you know, play on their emotions. I'm talking about how to actually care for people. I'm talking about how to actually be a friend is you realize what they really care about. And, and so, f- you know, for it's a lot of times it's something like their, their own marriage or their kids or their significant other. Or s- if it's students, it could be their activities and their school. It could be their future and they're thinking about this. It could be, it could be Fortnite, uh, the video game. Um, do we have any Fortnite players in here? Two. And they're all under 30. Okay, so... So, so you, so you got this, this interest, and, and uh, you know, you're think, a lot of people are thinking about their careers. A lot of people are trying to, they're trying to get somewhere, and that's what they're totally focused on. And so they don't have, they don't have time for these other things. But you see them, and you realize their spiritual soft spot. You don't have to, hey, hey, you don't have to have the answer for how Noah got all those animals on the boat. This is what everybody wants to talk about. Well, how did Noah get away? You don't have to do that. You can just say, hey, how's your family? Hey, how are you doing? How, how are things going at work? That's, that's all it really takes. I've, <laughs> I have been hanging out with some guys who are missionaries in Austin, and they, they, are, they are missionaries who have developed kind of a, a, a plan for neighborhoods and I, I met them, I came across their path, I felt like God was doing something, and I started walking the streets of East Austin with them going door to door. Now, when I tell you that, you have no idea how much I hate the idea of going door to door, knocking on people in 100 degrees and asking them to stand on their porch so I can quote scripture to them. I, when I was a little kid, I was five years old, and I have a vivid memory of being uh, going door to door witnessing with my dad who was a pastor and I remember I can see it right now as I'm telling it to you I'm standing on a porch I was about five years old my dad knocked on the door and some lady with the most horrible voice screamed out like she was a demon get off my porch (laughs) so that makes me want to go door to door a lot so so it's not my favorite thing, but what I knew is that God was doing something in me. So I started hanging out with these guys and, and started walking the streets. On my first day out, we're walking down the street, and there's a guy. They tried to reach this house. They have, uh, they have a whole systematic kind of way that they approach it. You know, their, their opening line is, um, hey, we're out caring for our community today, and we're just uh, coming by to see if there is something going on in your life that we could pray for, that we could ask God to do for you. That's their opening line. 80% of the people they get to pray with. It's like a crazy statistic of people who actually, they pray to receive Jesus, and they fill those people with small groups within those neighborhoods and those extended family members and begin to, to work through the, the process of discipleship. And, and this is hap- it's, it's happened with hundreds and hundreds of people over the last uh, three or four years, okay? So it's, it's an experiment, and the experiment is based on the idea that missionaries should be able to do it in their own culture before they go do it cross-culturally, okay? So, so, so I'm going with him. On our first day, we meet a guy. He's standing on the porch, and he's watering his plants, and, and there's, a, there's a gate, you know, in front of us, a little um, 
what is it, chain link f- fence, and we're all standing out there, and, and he says, hey, we came by here last week, and, and um, we, we didn't get to see anybody. Do you live here? No, I'm, I'm, my, my mom's live here, and, and, and she's sick. He's watering the plants, and, and the guy goes, can we, well, well, we're here caring for our community, and is there, could we pray for her? And uh, he was like, you know, he's watering. Sure. <laughs> so, so we, we <laughs> he just stood there, like, like 30 feet from us. <laughs> and so we're at the gate, and so we're standing there. He says, sure. So we just start praying. So, okay, well, let's pray. And he prays for his mom, who's in, actually, he says, can we go in? Can we go in and pray over her? And she says, no, she doesn't, no, no, she doesn't want that. So we go, so we start praying, and we pray for her, and then he says, well, hey, can, um, can I share you, share with you a story um, from the Bible about Jesus? And he's like, sure. He's now coming down off the porch by the tree. There's a big tree there. We're still standing outside the gate on the sidewalk. He's, sta- he's starting to be by the tree. And, and so, so we tell a story. I think it was about Zacchaeus. I think it was the story of a short little man who wanted to see Jesus, right? And Jesus then came to his house. Jesus actually <laughs> invited himself to Zacchaeus' house, uh, kind of like we were doing, um, inviting ourselves to his house. And so, and so he tells this story and he talks about Jesus and then, and then, uh, and, and then the, the, we talk a little bit more, and, and he says, can we pray for you? You know, he kind of identifies himself in the story, and, and so we pray for him. So we pray over him, and, and we just pray a simple little prayer. And then after, um, after that prayer, he starts going like this. He starts like, man, my foot was really hurting all day. And suddenly it doesn't hurt anymore. Like he, we didn't even know his foot was hurt, right? So we're praying over him and his foot doesn't hurt. And so, she, so the guy says, well, could I share one more thing with you? And he starts to share with him what Jesus really wants for his life and, and how he wants to rid him of his past and his history that's painful and that's hurtful and, that's, and make his life better. He, t- he kind of shares this, this story about the Great Commission. And, and what was so amazing to me is every question he asked, the answer was, sure. Yeah. Listen, One Chapel, we have this way of thinking, and I've had, I've been guilty of it, that people don't want to hear what we have. They don't want to hear somehow we have this in our minds. We're afraid that they'll think that we're conservative Republicans, right? Or the, which is like the worst thing ever. So you, so you don't want, so you don't, so you don't want to share because you're afraid. The truth is, there's a whole bunch of people who are hurting and in trouble, and they're just waiting for something to change in their life. They don't even know how. The guy says yes to every question we ask him, and finally we lead him in a salvation prayer to Jesus. He gives yes, so awesome. He, thank you, all three of you. It was. It, uh, they, 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 so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing that's amazing. My first time out, I hate knocking on doors. There's a healing and a salvation in the same thing. We spent an hour at this guy's house, and so, uh, here's what I want to tell you. God knows how to make you into the fisherman he needs. He knows how to compensate for your fears and some of, your, some of the, the, the issues that you're carrying around, and he wants to do that. 
He just needs you to take one step. I took one step to go with these guys. And I've been out several, several times with them. One time, the guy turned to me and said, okay, you want to take the next one? I was like, no. <laughs> I'm a pastor. I talk to people all the time. I don't know what it is about that environment that just freaked me out. But I, so, and some of you are sitting here thinking, he's going to ask us to go door to door. No, I'm not. I am not going to ask you to do that. that, is, that I'm, that's not even in the realm of possibilities here. What I am going to ask you to do is be open to what Jesus is leading you into and who he's leading you to. Everybody has something that they need, that they're interested in talking about. This guy had a hurt foot and a sick mom, and he needed something in his life. And when you finally find that spiritual soft spot, what will happen is what Jesus says to us is add value to their life. Add value to their life. Everybody has needs and something they need. If you've ever gone to school, Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, you know about it. It's like it goes through what the, what the actual needs are. There's physiological needs. Physiological needs, if you, if you don't have food, you don't have clothing, you don't have rest, you, you don't have a safe place, that's a problem. If you meet people who don't have those things, don't tell them about Jesus. Give them a bed. Give them a safe place. Give, take them some food. That's what you should do first right? Okay. Then the second need is love and affection needs. Um, people all want to feel loved. They all want to feel praised. They all want to feel appreciated. You have this power. You've experienced the greatest love of the whole world. You can share that with someone in a way that makes them feel appreciated, in a way that makes them feel valuable. And then third need is fulfillment needs. Fulfillment. Everybody's, once they have these other needs met, they they. They're looking for fulfillment, and lots of people in American culture are looking for fulfillment. They have everything else, and they can't find it. Everybody has a need to be significant. We search for it in relationships and careers, but no amount of money, no vacations, no amount of material wealth will actually give it to you. Only God can do this for you. And so 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted the seed, Paul said. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Don't underestimate the power of God. Be suspicious that he's actually working all around you. He's working in the people around you. Two more, two more things quickly. Wise in my manners. Not just wise in the moments, but wise in my manners. Most of us have a, had, a, had a mom that said, mind your manners, right? The Bible has a lot to say about manners. Look at this. Matthew 5, 13 through 14, this is the Message Bible. Jesus says this. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. Just a couple verses later, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm not talking about being perfect here. We're talking about being kind. We're talking about having manners. How can I be wise with my manners? Well, according to Jesus, he just wants you to make life better and brighter. He just wants you to make life better and brighter for people. People's lives are dark. They're, they're, they're wandering around. They're, they have a blindness to them. He just wants you to make your, their life better and brighter. 
you always have opportunities for this. Tomorrow is a weekly event that everybody hates. Monday. You can bring Shipley's Donuts to work with you. You can brighten everything up. You can help people not be mired down in the, the mundane of Monday. But you just have to think like this. Most of us don't think like this at all. Right? We're thinking about our grumpiness. We're thinking about the way we feel. We think about our, our coworkers and our boss, and, and we're complaining, and, and we're mad about stuff, and not even thinking about the real reason you're here. Your job is not the real reason you're here. Your career, as good as it is, as many people as it may help, it's not the reason. It's just the utensil, the instrument, the vehicle for you as a Christian to share the good news of Jesus with people. That's what, it, that's, that's what it is. This is the reason you're here. America's turned into such a sort of this crazy place where we all, we, we just can't, we just got to get more and more and more and more. Listen, you have a purpose. It's the thing that makes you significant. And, and you, you, fi- you need to find your place in him um, because, because we, he, has a, he has a plan for you and a way in which he wants you to interact with people. Listen, you don't have to know all the answers to the Bible. Let me say it again. You don't have to know the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's okay. You don't have to know who that is or what that's all about. All you have to do is just make things better and brighter in Jesus' name. You have to understand their world. This is the next fill in the blank. Many of us as Christians, we want people to understand our world. When in reality, what we should be doing is understanding their world. And so America's become so toxic in its conversation. We need people who will just say to others, hey, tell me what it's like to be you. I want to know what it's like to be you. I didn't grow up this way. Why don't you tell me, tell me about your history and tell me about, tell me about your experience in life. There's five little magic words that I want to give you, and you can write them down on the side of your notes because I didn't, I didn't prepare for them with the notes. Here they are. If you want to be interested in people, you want to express interest, and you want them to, to, to lean into you, five little words. Here they are. Ready? Tell me more about that. All you got to do is say that. Tell me more about that. Oh, really? Wow, that sounds really challenging. Tell me more about that. And then be quiet. <laughs> You're, every, here's what everybody wants to do. Oh, I had an aunt that did the same thing. And the same thing happened to her. And here's how she did it. <laughs> like, that's not helpful. Tell me more about that. Christians can be mean. Stephen Covey, Covey says he has a seven habits of highly effective people. And, and habit number five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. As, as, as Jesus followers, sometimes we push ahead when we should just listen. Show them unconditional love. This is a difficult concept to understand. What does it mean? It means without condition. <laughs> I know, deep spiritual stuff here. Love without condition. Just love them. Jesus walks by Zacchaeus, he's in the tree, he's hanging out there because he wants to see Jesus in Luke 19. Jesus didn't say, you're going to hell. He said, you're going to lunch. (laughs) He said, you're going to lunch with me at your house. 
And what, <laughs> Jesus invited himself over. It was awesome. And when it was over, when lunch was over, he gave, Zacchaeus gave all his possessions away, half of his possessions away, and, and, and four times, he gave four times what he had stolen from everyone. He repaid them back. Lunch was first. After that came a changed life. 1 Corinthians 9.22 in the Living Bible says, Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find some common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. You're having moments every day. Be mindful. Be aware. Be wise in your manners. Number three, be wise in your message. Wise in my message. I need to have wisdom with my message. 2 Timothy 2, 23 through 25 says, Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish arguments, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you see it? Is that in your notes? Be kind to everyone. Circle it. Circle it. Moms, reach over to your kids. Make them circle it. Be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Oh, there it is. <laughs> difficult people. This is what we're, we're called to do. Be patient with difficult people. Gently, gently. Everybody say gently. Gently instruct them. Instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Great. What should I say, Pastor? Well, good news. Peter tells you. 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. You know, when he says, set apart in your hearts Christ as Lord, that means he's in charge. He leads you to the people he wants you to go to. He is leading your life. And when he does that, you're, you get prepared to answer everyone who, to give a reason for the hope. But, to do th but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how to tell your story. Next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like to create a story that you will tell that will help people See who Jesus is. All right, so I want, I want you to come back if you can, because here's the bottom line. We have to share the hope that we have. I want you to commit to share the hope that you have. I think we have to share our church. Like, hey, listen, people, I'm not, we're not building an organization here. We're, we're, this, is, this is something more than that. This is, this, we're, not, we're not just sharing people with people uh, about one chapel, but I do think that there's something about a community of Christ where people love one another and serve each other and help each other walk through the pain and the struggle of life, that when that happens, and that's happening in the way it is here, that we should tell people about that. And we're kind of afraid. A bunch of your friends don't even know you go to church. I, I just think you, there's a community here. Here, two, two out of 52, all right? Two, two out of 52, two Sundays out of 52 Sundays, you ought to bring somebody to church who's sitting by you while service is going on. It is a total adventure. 
Here's why. You come, it, you see everything differently. Oh, there's that weird usher. Oh, my gosh. Don't, P- Pastor Ross, don't, do, don't, don't, don't mess it up. Pastor Ross, do a good job. Come on. Come on. Not the, oh, the worship leader. It's the wrong worship leader. Shoot. Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, everybody needs a moment where they've had to pray through that whole process. I want you to get, I want you to lean in the two out of 52 because I want you to pray for our services like I know I have to. <laughs> and I want you to have that experience. It's thrilling. It's like, it's like a ride at an amusement park. You're scared to death of it, but it is so fun. Finally, you got to share Jesus. You share Jesus. This is, this is who we are as one chapel. We're sharing with people this person who takes away their guilt and their shame, who lifts the burdens of their life from their past, who helps them be healed from their yesterdays. This is what we are. This is who we are. This is the man, the person that we share. His name is Jesus. Close your eyes, bow your heads. And I want to just take a moment and I want to pray for you. If you are here today and you're listening to this message and there's kind of two kinds of people here. One is the kind of person that just feels like, I don't know the relationship you're talking about, Pastor Ross. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't, I don't quite understand that. I know about Jesus, but I don't know what you're saying and I want to know about it. I want to give my life to him. I want to experience him. I want to lead you in a prayer for that today. The second group of people are people that you just, you've kind of been going on about your life and, and, and you've been myopic and you've had tunnel vision and you're just, you're kind of concerned about all kinds of things, but the last thing you're concerned about is sharing the love of Jesus with someone else. And you want to repent of that today. You want to say, I don't, I don't want to be that kind of person. I don't want to be the person that's just all about my own thing. I want to be about God's business, God's kingdom. I, I want to th- be thinking about how he wants me to share and who he wants me to share with. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer, all of us in a prayer, and I just want you to, to, to go with me. And, and it's not really about the words, it's really about what's going on in your heart. And so I want you to pray this with me. Father, we just come to you all together as a family of believers at one chapel. And Father, we We ask you to forgive us. Forgive us for insisting on life on our own terms. Forgive me for insisting on my own way. Jesus, I see that you are full of love and kindness. I want to be full of love and kindness as well. And so, Lord, would you do something in me that changes me? I receive you, Jesus. I accept your ways. I accept your call to come and follow you. And you will make me into a person who draws people to you. I choose that. 
Forgive me for resisting. Forgive me for not yielding. Today I choose you. I choose to let you be Lord and I choose to let you lead. Have your way in my life. Forgive me for living on my own terms. Heal my heart. Heal my past. Help me to make a new start today. Lord, that's what I want. I want to I start again today. I want to start in a new way, not out of guilt or shame, but with freedom and life and peace. Would you come and do that in, in my heart today? Lord, we let you do that in us right here, right now. Come with your spirit. Come with your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name.